you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Phone Podcast. I can't believe I have not had Megan on this yet. Now that we have crossed, I think over 350 episodes or something. So it's kind of crazy. But I love learning from just watching all the things you have been involved in. And Megan, I know you were one of the very early ones who actually gave, honestly, me a shot by coming and speaking at the Flip My Funnel, the very first Flip My Funnel conference. I don't know if you remember that one. I do remember it, yes. In the day, so it was really, really cool. So again, this is uh, Megan Eisenberg, who's the CMO of Trip, Trip Actions. She's the CMO of MongoDB. Prior to that, she's been at DocuSign and all the way to IBM. She's just been in incredibly leadership roles in many organizations and has been one of the top leaders out there in the B2B space. So Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. All right. So one of the things we want to dig in uh, as we were chatting before was this whole idea of the modern role of CMO. So before we get there, let's start with a fun fact about yourself. Sure. Well, I have lots of beans at home. I have three daughters and three French bulldogs. So we've got all girl daughters and all boy Frenchies. Oh my goodness. That keeps the house in order. Yeah. Or disorder. <laughs> with a lot of activity. <laughs> I can only imagine. I, I had a German shepherd growing up and I remember just having dogs around just made, but I never had more than one. So I don't know how you keep up with it. Does each one of them have one of their favorites? They each have their own. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. And who takes care of all of them? The girls and the parents. <laughs> we take turns feeding and cleaning them up. Oh, man, I can only imagine. All right. So let's talk about the role of CMO. You have been really led marketing organizations as some of the most iconic brands in the industry. And it's, uh, it, it's just an incredible journey to watch. If you were to just help people who are trying to be a marketer, imagine marketers are listening to this podcast. What, what do you think the role of a modern CMO look like? Yeah, you know, I, I often think about when you go to the circus and there's a bunch of plates that you're spinning and you there's a lot more plates than people think in marketing. Oftentimes they'll think it's just events or they'll think it's just digital or social media, but actually you've got product marketing, you've got content, you've got corporate marketing, you've got field marketing, you've got the brand, you've got all the social media channels, you've got your website, you've got 40 or 50 different systems. You've got sales handoff and partnership and all the tech that goes around that. You've got demand gen. And so if you think about it, there's tons of different things you have to keep spinning in the air. And I always feel like I get this this one going, product marketing, I got content, I got brand, I got comps. Oh, wait, we got demand gen going. Wait, social media. Wait, I'm going to go talk to analysts. You know, it's just, there's, it's a, a constant thing that you have to keep going and you know, at the simplest level, you're trying to do the art and science and those functions fall into that and you got to get them working together. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty broad set of things a marketer has to do. And as a CMO, you have to be able to hire in all of those functions. And they're all very different 
types of people and roles. A designer is very different than a web engineer. That's very different than a product marketer, very different than a field marketer, an events marketer. And so you've got to find the different talents and personalities and backgrounds that suit those and then get them all to work together in an integrated way so you can go to market. Yeah. And and that I think is a wonderful challenge, but something that good CMOs have to figure out is how to get their team, hire the team and then get them to integrate and then produce at a very quick pace. Yeah. So as your role, I mean, that just took a ton of different hats that you have yes. to be comfortable wearing and knowing that you can be good at everything all at the same time. That's and right. In, in many ways, do you feel like your your job turns into where you're really trying to make sure that you're managing expectations of everybody? Because I feel like as a marketer myself, everybody knows more about what should be done in marketing than me. And yeah. I all have ideas. And I'm like, yes. okay, we could do that. But here is the list of things we already have. We have to prioritize. So I see myself walking into almost all conversations, almost saying no to some things to say that, look, if you do that, great idea, but that means we're not going to do this. And they're like, no, 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 we got to do both. So so how do you handle those things? Yeah, so definitely to validate you, everyone has feedback. Everyone has ideas. Everyone secretly wants to be a marketer because there's a lot of fun around it. So I agree it never stops on the feedback side. And I do agree, you also have to be very good about prioritizing and uh, and setting expectations and and be satisfied that you're you're never going to get to all of it. You have to find satisfaction, you know, and hope that you prioritize correctly and that you're measuring and showing the results of that and you're moving the needle. I, at the end of the day, if you're not building pipeline and you're not hitting your revenue targets, you're you're not going to be there for long. So definitely prioritizing what's going to help you get there. I think the other thing that people don't really think about, but marketing, I find, is a linchpin to the overall organization. Think about the work that you need to do, not just to support a sales team. Clearly, you've got to partner with them, create pipeline for them, create a market for them and engagement. But there's also your interactions with your customer success team because the whole life cycle, once they come in, you're making sure that they're having a good experience, that you're upselling and cross-selling and you're keeping them happy and they're out there advocating, which is bringing more people into your funnel. But then there's a lot of work you do with HR. When you think about employment branding, your overall brand is not just to your customers, not just sales and customer success, but it is the community and the world of hiring. And if you don't have a solid brand, how do you go hire engineers and more salespeople and HR and operations and finance? So there's a very, you have to have a good tie with your HR leader to make sure you guys have an employment brand that's working, that it resonates on the website. You have a careers page, all of that. And then the other side is product. There's a lot of responsibility being tied to product because you have to know what's coming, how to launch your competitive differentiation. So you're spending a lot of time with the product team as well because you've got to know the roadmap in order to tell the story and, and to take the lead and be a leader in, in the market. So that's another area. And then, of course, with engineers, making sure the feedback that you're hearing and, and partnering with your product marketing product team to loop that back in and then innovating and coming up with new ideas. So there's really not one organization you don't work with closely, including finance, because if you don't get a budget, you're not doing anything. And so you have to spend a lot of time with finance to make sure they feel like you're being a good steward of the budget, that you're getting a return, that, you know, when they have to decide who they're going to release headcount to, should it be in sales, should it be in marketing, should it be in engineering, 
And so really you're that linchpin with all these organizations as you go to market. I've, oh, I, I couldn't agree more. One of the ways I have seen, like what, what you're talking about is literally goes back to what Tim Kopp and we started talking about it. Tim Kopp is one of our investors and he's also was a CMO. Of on exactly. the board of, yeah, and on the board of uh, G2. Yeah. <laughs> oh, G2, yes, the new brand, G2. <laughs> Incredible, it's so much fun. And he has talked about this and I never thought about it this way. And I wonder what, what you think about it. He kind of mentioned that, hey, look, when he became a VC after being a CMO, he thought he knew everything about what, how to hire a CMO because he thought, well, I'm a CMO, I should know. And then he said, I failed like three times in the in companies that we invested to get them the wrong CMO. And he said, the reason I was the wrong CMO was because they were the right people, but the wrong company, uh, maybe the wrong company stage uh, yes. in a different phase of the company. So they're like, well, you know, if you are in the early stage, maybe you do need more of an evangelist, kind of uh, like all kind of stuff, build a category. If you're in the mid stage, you need an operator who's like product marketing and all the stuff to get the machines going. Maybe you're in a, in a different stage, like brand building. So it's like different stages. H- how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I have advised a lot of startups uh, through different stages. And, and based on my experience in the early, early days, when you're trying to figure out product market fit, you need a good product marketer who is helping you create the core content, capturing why customers are buying, figuring out the story and how you're going to differentiate, helping you whether you're going to go get funding, whether you're going to continue to get more customers and build your website out. So someone who gets the market can prep sales, create sales enablement. And then as you start to get bigger and you find product market fit, now how, and you get maybe your first, 50 customers or 100 customers, now how do you go and scale that? Now bring in someone who's got the systems demand gen side and marry them to the product marketing that you've got because they're going to know how to take it to market and scale it. And then it's a lot of build. I love companies at the build phase where you come in, you've got the right systems, you got to hire the right people, and you got to put the process in place to take them, maybe their series B or C to whatever that scale that they're or exit that they're looking for and as you get closer to going public or some other exit it's a lot around the brand and you have a new audience with investors and you're um you are motivating your team your team's much larger your continue you know your key role is hiring so you've got to continue to bring the right talent and know what your team needs and you're up leveling talent and there's just a lot of work as you grow as a much bigger organization but i agree at different times in the life cycle of the company, there's a different pillar, whether it's product marketing demand or brand comms that you need to lean on. So for me, you're right, you can't be good at all of them. So you've got to be able to hire the right people for the right stage and know when you need that and bring them in so they can complement your skill set. Totally. All right. So what are the big lessons that you have learned from maybe being at like MongoDB, right? Let me DocuSign. Now, obviously, coming in at Trip Actions, like, are there one or maybe two or three lessons that you can say, well, here's what I've learned really big time? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot around hiring, you know, it matters a lot to hire, I think, problem solvers, because at any stage, you need people who can come in, not just identify the problem. Everyone will tell you the 50,000 problems that are going on, but you want the people that come in and go identify and here's how I'm going to go solve it or I'm going to take it. So really making sure you get the problem solvers and stay away from the victims, the ones that 
tell you all the problems, don't know how to solve it, and just say, well, I couldn't do it. And, and they just come to you and keep showing up. And they're the worst. Get the victims off your plate. Like if, if they if they couldn't get it done at the last company, they're not going to get it done at your company. You know, even when you're interviewing, if you note that they tell you why the, all the problems that were at the last company and, that they couldn't solve, that tells me they're more of a victim mentality. So I think that's a big deal. Hiring for work ethic. I want people who love what they're doing, want to come to work, working hard, solve those problems, very team oriented. So I think there's just a lot around hiring and motivating and building a team that matters a lot. I think the other thing is continual learning because as you go through the stages, you are not gonna be the one for the next stage if you aren't continuing to learn. So it's important to keep networking, having a good peer group, being with other CMOs, heads of marketing, continue to learn, listen to the podcast, go to things like serious decisions because there's new technologies, there's new ways of doing it. What I love about interacting with the tech community and being an advisor is I'm constantly learning the new stuff from the companies I advise. They try new technology. They have no budget. They're growth hacking. They're finding all these new ways to do stuff that I you know, might not have come across. And I take that back and I'm able to implement it where I'm at. I also think another thing I've learned is that your peer set is not just marketing. It's the CFO, the head of engineering, the head of sales. And if you think you can lead a team as a CMO and just be amazing marketer and amazing hire, it's not enough. You're only going to be successful if you've got very strong relationships with your peers at the C-level and the executive level. Because of all the things I mentioned before, you have to have that relationship with sales, with customer success, with product, with HR, with finance. And so spend a lot of time on those relationships. Don't forget those. Uh, because business also just moves much faster if you guys are all tightly aligned as an executive team. Oh, 100%, 100%. Couldn't agree more. What keeps you up at night? So when I think about what keeps you up at night, uh, definitely scaling. This trip actions is growing very fast. We're adding 200 customers a month. The company is 700 people. We're around the world. We have 11 offices. You know, just hiring solid people quickly, I think is something that's important. One of the things we've implemented here is we work with an organization called Shemai, and they're all about the continual learning and debriefing. Because we're moving so fast, we need to train the people in the organization to self-learn. Yeah. Now, maybe what someone would learn, do in two years, we're doing in four or five months. So how do you get them to skip the need to be here two years, but to learn quickly? A lot of that is debriefing on what you do and learn from any mistakes, successes. So you share that learning across the organization and keep moving and you continue to have that raise the bar. One of our values is raise the bar, making sure we're always doing that. And we just have a very high sense of urgency here. And I think that's why we're scaling and growing so fast. But it, you know, am I putting the right systems in place? Do I have the right team? Are we running fast enough? What does sales need? Am I really hearing and understanding what they need so I can go execute on that? Can I create content fast enough to keep up with all the things that we're doing? And then learning the industry travels. You know, I, I am a road warrior. I've been on the road a ton. I've done a million miles just on United alone. I get the, the, the pain of using the status quo, but can I now learn all the other intricacies and the partnerships and make sure that I'm arming the sales team to sell and I'm putting the right message out in the market to trump some of the legacy stuff that's out there. I love that. I love that. I took 
I, I took like so many notes. So I just want to wrap up with like two or three big ideas. And then I would love for you to share a big challenge that with everybody, especially aspiring marketers, as, as I try to wrap up and share some of these things. Because I think a lot of people look at marketing, as you said, as a amazing, fun thing, a lot of exciting things happening, but, but it's not like a, you can't make a graphic designer all of a sudden and promote them to like VP of graphics, right? Like, you know, if you have a one person team of graphics and then probably yes. an event. So I think a lot of people I feel in marketing feel a little bit siloed, right? Be a little bit like handicapped in terms of their growth and, and are trying to figure out, well, I'm really good at events. Well, that's what we want you to do. You're great at events. And yes. they really branch out and get product marketing because it's such a different skill set. So, so I'd love for you to kind of share share a challenge along those lines as, as I share two or three big ideas from what we just talked. So one big idea that I took and I kind of really put orders around that one is really the fact that, hey, look, you got to be good at prioritization. And the way you defined that was if you're not, clear on pipeline and revenue and how you're driving that, the rest of the things is going to fall apart. You could be awesome at brand and awesome, but if the revenue and pipeline is not going, it's not going to work. So as a CMO, just keep your heads very clear about the fact that you need to focus on pipeline revenue. The other big idea I highlighted was this idea that marketing is actually a linchpin for the rest of the organization. I think, I think that's big and massive. It's not just the relationship with your sales counterpart, but also the HR, the product, the CFO. So everybody, the peer relationship that you talked about was really good. And then, then the big thing that I really took away was if you are a leader, a marketing leader today, and you're thinking about the size of the organization that you want to join, I think I'll highly recommend them to follow you and see all the things you've done on LinkedIn. But it's, it's like the product market or the demand generation, the brand, there are different times where you could be in a different role within the organization. So in many ways, I feel a lot of people feel they failed in a organization because they had they didn't have the right support system, but it may not be the right organization for you because you're not ready for it. And I think people need to recognize and match the right skill set. Uh, and the last part, which you talked a ton about, which is hiring and, and getting the right mindset. You need people who are not a victim mentality. You talked about the fact that you need to have work ethic and team and a continuous learning method. So I, I love, love those points. So let's, let's talk about it as we finish this up. People in marketing who are trying to go to the CMO level, but are kind of pushed into this, this one role that they're really good at and, and nobody wants them to do anything else but that. How, how do they find their path to be like you? Yeah, so I, I get this question a lot. How do I get promoted? How do I get there? What's my plan? And I think it comes back to problem solving and getting stuff done. And when I look at my career, yes, I started out in product marketing and pivoted over to demand. But when I made that, as soon as I could solve problems and get stuff done, my manager or leadership team would say, she's got this. Can she take on field marketing? Oh, she's got that. Can she take on the website? Oh, she's got that. Can she take... So you need to be someone that they know they can hand big, ugly, messy problems over to. And you'll take it and run with it and go with it. What doesn't work is when I have someone on my team that's always busy, always crazy. I'm working so hard. I'm killing myself for you. I can't give them more work because they are, they're too busy. How am I going to give them more responsibility? And when you want to go up in your career, it means taking on more responsibility. But if you have no room because you're telling everyone you're so busy, you're so slammed, 
it doesn't equate, right? So you need people who can take on a lot, can figure out how to get it done, and also have set an example for the rest of the group, right? You're not going to you're not going to promote someone that's not one that doesn't collaborate well with others, two that can't take on a larger workload or figure out how to solve the problems that are on their plate in an efficient and productive way. Because as we grow in our careers, we get faster at making decisions. We have pattern recognition. We can quickly, we can do things at a faster pace than someone that's newer in there. And when you start to see that, you go, that person is ready to manage and take on more. I think attitude matters because you don't want to take someone who's crazy, busy, can't handle it all and make a bunch of people on your team think that's the leadership mentality. If I run around and say I'm super busy, I'm going to get to be a leader. No, that's you're not going to do that. We need people who can can plot out a plan, take it on, take on problems, take on on more. I think the other way people get promoted is they're so valuable to the organization. The organization cannot live without them. You're afraid to lose them. You promote them. And how do you become valuable? You solve problems, you manage, you take care of stuff, you are able to measure what you've done. And when you see those people, whether they're in events or something else, you're going to give them more responsibility. You're going to promote them because you can't see your organization without them. I love that. I think I'm going to call this episode, How to Get Promoted, because I think those two were such an incredible, I never put this together. It's so funny you said that, like, Hey, look, if you're continuously busy, you're not going to get promoted because you're you're busy. I can't put more. I think that's a, I don't think many people would like think about it that way. So it's so cool that you shared that. Like, look, you might actually think that that's how you're going to get promoted, but it's exactly the opposite way to go about it. I love that. All right, Megan, thank you so much. Again, uh, as always, a big fan and, and love everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.